Chapter Eleven of Anna Karenina, Book Four, by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Everyone took part in the conversation except Kitty and Levin. At first, when they were talking of the influence that one people has on another, there rose to Levin's mind what he had to say on the subject. But these ideas, once of such importance in his eyes, seemed to come into his brain as in a dream, and had now not the slightest interest for him. It even struck him as strange that they should be so eager to talk of what was of no use to any one. Kitty, too, should, one would have supposed, have been interested in what they were saying of the rights and education of women. How often she had mused on the subject, thinking of her friend abroad, Varenka, of her painful state of dependence, how often she had wondered about herself and what would become of her if she did not marry, and how often she had argued with her sister about it. But it did not interest her at all. She and Levin had a conversation of their own, yet not a conversation, but some sort of mysterious communication, which brought them every moment nearer, and stirred in both a sense of glad terror before the unknown into which they were both entering. At first Levin, in answer to Kitty's question how he could have seen her last year in the carriage, told her how he had been coming home from the mowing along the high road and had met her. It was very, very early in the morning. You were probably only just awake. Your mother was asleep in the corner. It was an exquisite morning. I was walking along, wondering who it could be in a foreign hand. It was a splendid set of four horses with bells, and in a second you flashed by, and I saw you at the window. You were sitting like this, holding the strings of your cap in both hands, and thinking awfully deeply about something, he said, smiling. How I should like to know what you were thinking about then. Something important? Wasn't I dreadfully untidy? she wondered. But seeing the smile of ecstasy these reminiscences called up, she felt that the impression she had made had been very good. She blushed and laughed with delight. Really, I don't remember. How nicely Turovstin laughs said Levin, admiring his moist eyes and shaking chest. "'Have you known him long?' asked Kitty. "'Oh, everyone knows him.' "'And I see you think he's a horrid man?' "'Not horrid, but nothing in him.' "'Oh, you're wrong, and you must give up thinking so directly,' said Kitty. "'I used to have a very poor opinion of him, too, but he—he's awfully nice, and a wonderfully good-hearted man. He has a heart of gold.' How could you find out what sort of heart he has? We are great friends. I know him very well. Last winter, soon after— You came to see us, she said, with a guilty and at the same time confiding smile. All Dolly's children had scarlet fever, and he happened to come and see her. And only fancy, she said in a whisper, he felt so sorry for her that he stayed and began to help look after the children. Yes, and for three weeks he stopped with them— and looked after the children like a nurse. "'I am telling Konstantin Dmitrievich about Tarostin in the scarlet fever,' she said, bending over to her sister. "'Yes, it was wonderful. Noble,' said Dolly, glancing towards Tarostin, who had become aware that they were talking of him, and smiling gently to him. Levin glanced once more at Tarostin, and wondered how it was that he had not realized all this man's goodness before. "'I'm sorry, I'm sorry.' and I'll never think ill of people again, he said gaily, genuinely expressing what he felt at the moment. End of chapter 11